Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Thank you for your ministry of your Holy Spirit to us today. Hallelujah. Amen. Worship team, that was awesome. It's just so great. Thank you, team. So much. You may be seated. We're in for a real treat this morning. We've had such a great weekend. Uh, you want to say anything about the women's weekend? Oh, am goodness. <laughs> We had the most fabulous women's event I've ever seen. Pastor Jenny has a breakthrough anointing, and man, she broke through. It was fabulous. So thank you, Pastor Jenny, and all the girls that attended. It was totally amazing. I'm kind of speechless. But what I want to just say um, this morning is if you turn over your eyes over to the right here, to the easel. Um, Mindy Oden painted while the worship was going on, and so we thank Mindy for that, but this is almost kind of a declaration for the girls that came. It says, the key is to unlock the authority in the kingdom. I've given each of you the ability to open the areas in your life to step into the greater purpose that I've placed on each of you. This key has mighty power and authority when used in my name. It is a weapon of war, a weapon of love, a sign of authority to unlock the territory to advance the kingdom on earth. But it is a gift, a choice to use it. I love the gift. I give good gifts to my girls. Now it's up to you to take hold of it and use it. So that's the meaning behind the key. And we'll have Mindy here next service to thank her for that. Um, we, we are in for a great treat this morning as Pastor David shares with us some of the things the Lord has on his heart for us. Um, at a, at a uh, partway through his uh, civil engineering, um, he gave his life radically and completely to Jesus. And it's uh, altered his life significantly and the life of thousands and thousands of others. They have one church with 12 campuses as random as Uganda, Frankfurt, and Malaysia, and, and I reckon soon to be one in Canada, but we, we haven't got that confirmed yet. They, uh, they oversee and pastor and have pioneered Hope City Church in Sheffield, England, and they have been an extreme delight to us as friends and peers in the ministry, and C3 really needs the things that they have to share with us, and this morning, Pastor Dave is gonna share from his heart, and uh, in the second service, we'll hear a little bit from Jenny as well. I want you to put your hands together and warm, uh, yeah, warm up the <laughs> platform. Pastor David Gilpin. Yeah! Yeah! Thank you. Hello. <laughs> oh, you can take your seats. I, I asked Lauren, I said, what's the difference between the first service and the second service? And he said, the first service, people find me funny. <laughs> and uh, so I'll be preaching on the second service on Lauren is funnier than you think. And uh, trying to stir everybody up to um, be enamored by his uh, jokes in the second service as with you. How are you today? 
So I'm loving Calgary, and uh, I went up the tower the other day, and they said that you have, uh, out of uh, 300, you're the sunniest city in, in Canada, 330 days of sunshine. And yesterday was one of the remaining 35 days. And, uh, but we just have, we are having a great time. Are your pastors uh, brilliant or are they awesome? Like, what are they? And, uh, and Kelly is so fit, isn't she? Just uh, oozing finesse and uh, muscle power. You wouldn't want to be down a dark alley uh, facing Kelly. You know you're going to lose. Um, so uh, we give our love to you. Thank you so much for having us. It's just an honor to be here at Calgary. And ever since Eddie the Eagle won, <laughs> ever since Eddie the Eagle gave it a go, uh, Calgary has been uh, a place on everybody's minds. And, uh, and if everyone had a wish list of the top 10 cities or top 20 cities to visit, Calgary would be one of those cities. And uh, it's been utterly gorgeous. And you are so blessed uh, living in this part of Canada. Uh, I preached in a, a conference uh, in Portsmouth in the south of England uh, about a year ago and uh, I did the first session. After the first session, I went to the uh, restroom. Uh, we call it the toilet. And uh, I went into the cubicle uh, and uh, shut the door and then two men went to the urinals and they started talking about me. And they didn't know that I was there. And so I just grabbed my uh, phone and pressed record. Or I pressed, I pressed video, but it made sure it was against the wall. <laughs> I don't know where record is on it, right? And, uh, and so they started saying, yeah, Dave, uh, content was good. They said Dave was fairly funny. And, uh, and then one of the guys said to the other guys, but don't you think that he's too old to be wearing skinny jeans? <laughs> And the other guy said, yeah, I think he is too old. <laughs> and so then the hairdryer went off and they left. And so I was there for the second, the second session. I just came out and I, I played the recording. <laughs> and I said, who are these two men? And nobody admitted to it. It's a cruel world, you know, when you're trying to stay young. It's a, <laughs> it's a cruel world. <laughs> So I've got two books. Uh, there's not very many books left because I was in Vancouver last weekend. And, uh, but this is called Sacred Cows Make Great Barbecues. And uh, this might be the right book for you. It's called Jesus Save Me From Your Followers. And uh, so both books are available, are available afterwards. Um, oh, yeah, there's a couple of other copies of a few other books there as well. Um, I wrote a book, though, a number of years ago um, called Rage Against Beige. And, uh, and it, it's in, in hatred of the color beige. And I had, and it came from a revelation. I actually sold it to Ikea. I wrote it and, and I sent it to book publishers to get published and, and, and uh, no one wrote back to me, so nobody wanted it. Then my PA, how clever she was, she sent it to Ikea UK. And I get a phone call from the managing director of Ikea UK and he said, I like the book. In actual fact, he had a Swedish accent. I thought it was one of my friends playing a joke on me. And so I said nothing for the first minute or so, thinking it was my friend. Uh, and uh, then I thought, he knows too much, right? And it was Peter from Sweden, who was the managing director of IKEA UK. And he said, I love the book Rage Against Beige. Uh, we hate beige as well. And he said, I'd love to buy the book off you. How much, how much will you 
charge. And I just wouldn't have a clue because I wasn't there to, to sell a book. I was there to get the book published. And so I said to Peter, I said, I don't know. I said, have you got a ballpark figure? And he said, and the book, the book took me like a day and a half to write. It's got just writing on the right-hand side and pictures on the left-hand side. And I just took every other B word, like, like, uh, like uh, don't, he says, don't be a chip off. Uh, be, some people are a chip off the old block. I said, don't be a chip off the old beige. Uh, don't visit Beijing. Just stuff like that. And... Uh, it just, so it's fairly simple to write, right? Let's say a day and a half is evangelistic. And uh, he's, I said, have you got a ballpark figure? He said, I think I have. He said, how does 100,000 Canadian dollars sound? And I, I almost fell over and fainted. And, but I was wise. I said, listen, I'll phone you back. Uh, I said, because I need to talk to the, to the person full of um, wisdom, uh, my controller, uh, my wife, and, uh, and then she said, which totally surprised me how greedy she was. She said, Dave, go for more. <laughs> if he's coming 100,000, go for more. And so I did that. I, she's thinking hot tub. She's thinking Hawaii. She's thinking. And so I rang back and I said, Peter, it's me again. I said, I'll do it for 120,000. He said, well, our budget doesn't go beyond 100,000. I said, Peter, it'll be a bit of a sacrifice for me. But you've got yourself a deal. <laughs> And it just came from a revelation that God hates the color beige because it stands for everything ordinary, everything average, everything mediocre, and everything that God isn't. Look, when you think about it, God's the God of the high seas, that God's the God of the rainbow. And in the rainbow, beige isn't in the rainbow. And I've got a feeling that God wants to, God wants to uh, flash his colors across your soul and, and, and cause you to come back out into the adventure of life and to find your va-va-voom again. I think you need to hate beige. Go on a beige rage. Say no to beige. And you need to rise up in iridescent pink, in fluorescent purple, in, in bright orange, but everything but beige. Everything but ordinary, bland, mediocre. Where, and life spirals down to that, where you endure life and not enjoy life. And yet God wants to bring back the pizzazz, the victory for which he bought your life. And I had another revelation that I haven't written this book yet, and that is that God hates Volvos. Because Volvos, to get your money's worth, you have to have a pretty decent crash. Because all the money, because all the money is in the safety gear. I mean, it's just, it's just, and some Christians are like that. They're so safe that when they're talking to you, you start to snooze. Because they're so boring. And I, I didn't, like, like if Proverbs was to be rewritten about six things I hate, seven things I detest, uh, there'd be eight things. And the eighth thing would be, would be you know, someone driving a beige Volvo. <laughs> I just think if, if, you, if, you, if you have got a Volvo, go up to the Rockies and drive it over the cliff. Make sure you get out first, right? But, you know, this one man gave a testimony, and his testimony was, before I was saved, I was wicked and boring. And I want to thank Jesus that I'm no longer wicked. <laughs> and I, I have a theory that most Christians were more exciting before they got saved.
you know, before they got saved, they spent their entire time painting the town red. You know, being very naughty, naughty. And they're doing all kinds of outrageous things. Then you get saved and you spent the rest of your life painting the church beige. And I don't blame, some people have a midlife crisis and some people think, gosh, where's my life? I don't blame them because it's actually true. There was more passion, more excitement, more va-va-voom pre-salvation than post-salvation. Something's gone wrong in the church of God. And I've got, a, I've got a feeling it's because, it's because what we, when we get saved, right, the first thing that somebody does when they get saved nowadays is they go onto Facebook and they press delete. Delete, 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 delete. All the photographs of them totally zonked, totally gazeboed. You know, all the, all the photographs of them with, with people they didn't even know their names, but, but they were hugging in a very close embrace. Delete, 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 delete. And I've got a problem with that, right? Because God hates sin, but God loved you. And what happens when we become Christians is we think that we hate our past life. And, and we think that, that God hates our past life. And, and, so, and so we delete our past life saying all things are new. But it's not entirely true because God hates sin, but God loved you. And so, and so what you should do is delete, if you've got an alcoholic problem, delete the beer, delete the chick. You know, just, just, just cut them off, but keep you in it. Because God adored the sinner that he sent his only son to die for you. And so we, 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 we have the expression that, that you used to be far away from God. And yet even that's a wrong expression. Nobody's far away from God. Nobody's ever been far away from God. You've never been far away from God. Since the day you were born, you've never been far away from God. Because wherever you've gone, God's chased you down. And... <laughs> And so if you've got unsaved relatives, don't ever use that expression again. They are one prayer away from God at any given moment of their life. Nobody's far away from God. That's why you can believe for revival amongst ISIS members, because none of them are far from God. The God is right beside them. One, they're one prayer away from revival in the Middle East. So don't believe it. Don't lose your hope because wherever you walked pre-salvation, God walked with you because he's a gracious God and he was ever ready at every moment for you to turn around and say, Jesus, I need you. And the moment you prayed that prayer, God was there. And sometimes post-salvation, we, we, we separate the natural from the spiritual and, and, and we call the natural carnal instead of calling the natural inherent godliness. Because when you were created, God created you. And before Jesus Christ became Savior, Jesus Christ was your creator. So your Christian life actually began at birth. Your Christian life didn't begin at salvation. It began at birth because God created you in the image of God. So it's not as if it was totally foreign. Then God came in and totally changed you. If anything, he redeemed you. 
He took you out of the cesspit. But there was something in there that was in the shape of God that he loved from birth. Now, I don't know if you saw the movie Bruce Almighty, but it's a very clever movie. And uh, I want Jim Carrey to return. I don't know what, what he's doing nowadays. Is he still alive, right? I know Morgan Freeman's alive. In every second movie, right? And, uh, and so Jim Carrey gets the powers of God. And uh, for a week or so, and he, he became the anchor man because he always wanted to be not the small town reporter, but the chief anchor man. And then uh, all hell broke loose. He lassoed the moon. And it created a tsunami in Japan, which was a prophetic kind of movie. We never thought it was because he fell in love with Jennifer Aniston. And, uh, and eventually he gets run over by a truck and he meets Morgan Freeman in heaven. And Morgan Freeman realizes that he's been trying to be the person he was never called to be. And he says, uh, deep down in every person is a divine spark. And yours, Jim, yours, Bruce Almighty, is to bring fun and laughter to the world around about you. And so he gets a second chance at life. And he goes back and he's the small town reporter, the big cookie contest reporter, and he lives his life happily ever after. Because he said, snap to the divine spark within him. And every one of us here at C3 Calgary this morning, you were born with a divine spark inside of you. You were born with a divine spark. There's a DNA of heaven in you that God wants to redeem, that God wants to, to restore. You know, uh, if that's true, which, which because he's our creator, it is true, that you, you should be able to put your CSI outfit on, CSI Miami outfit on, go and have a look through the history of your life, pre-salvation, and you should be able to see the splatterings of God's DNA in your life pre-salvation. And so I, I, um, I used to love competitions and love winning things. And, and then when I went to university, uh, I made it a, a competition to see if I could break into things. And when you're at university, you've got no money. And you've got no money to see the latest band, the latest concert. You've got no money to, to buy the latest uh, CD or record back in my days. And so I became an expert at breaking into things. And I remember breaking in with a false ticket to the David Bowie concert and having a great time under, under Major Tom. And, uh, and then I broke into Elton John concert three times in a row to see uh, Rocket Man. On the, th on the third attempt, uh, I don't know, it was like, it's not a miracle, right? But it would appear to be a miracle, but had nothing to do with God. Uh, the guy in front of me had the same idea I did. So he actually ran to the right and every security officer ran after him. So I just walked to the left, had a great night. And there was a time I was rolling in confidence and there was a big band that came to, like in excess, that came to Sydney University and uh, all the windows had bars on it. So I dressed up as a roadie, put the name of the band there, had a big box with nothing in it and then walked past all the bouncers straight into the hall, went to the bathroom, took the overalls off, had a great night. <laughs> now, let me say that is a gift from God. Now, it's attached to evil, but it's a gift from God. Most people in jail today are very gifted. The difference between them and me is they got caught. 
And when I got saved, that gift was detached from evil and attached to righteousness, but it wasn't dismissed. And for a lot of Christians with their too spiritual doctrine, dismiss the person that they used to be thinking it's the old man, but at the same time as throwing the old man out, they throw the natural man out. And the natural man is a servant to either the old man or the new man. And the story of the cross is that God gives you the power to detach who you are to evil and attach who you are to righteousness. And so when I got saved and I, I went to see my mum who was living in Canberra, I, I didn't say, mum, you're not going to recognize me because the new Dave, it's me, your son. She's come on in, Dave. Because it was me, still me. And when God makes all things new, he makes a new heart and he cleans you up. But he doesn't change you. You are you from birth, divine sparking. And some of you need to retrieve you. Some of you in your spirituality have come into wrong doctrine and you've thrown the baby out. That's you. With the dirty bathwater, that's the fallen you. And some of you need to get your pizzazz back. Some of you need to get your va-va-voom back. You ought to get your excitement back. Some of you know exactly what I mean. That God wants to make you the most exciting person on planet Earth. Whatever person, even if you fish. He, he wants to make you. It's an impossibility. He wants to make you one of the most exciting people on planet Earth. Church ought to be the most electric place on planet Earth. It's to recapture you. He wants to refine you. A lot of you are buried at the cross. And he wants, he wants you to start painting the town red, blood red, instead of sin red. To get your va va back, sell the Volvo. Start living an exciting life. Uh, there's four basic personality types, and you know what, what they are. There's uh, cleric. If, uh, clerics, if they were an animal, they'd be a lion. Melancholics, they'd kind of be like a wise owl. Uh, sanguine, they'd be like a puppy dog. And, uh, and there's phlegmatic, the, the peaceful people that help other people out. And uh, if they were an animal, they'd kind of like be like a beaver. But if each of these personality types were cars because that's the analogy I'm using today, right? Then if you are choleric, right, kind of like a leader-type person, uh, extrovert, if you were a car, you'd be a green Porsche. And a lot of you started like a green Porsche, and, uh, and, and you started off on the road in a green Porsche, and life was fabulous. But because every personality type has a flip side, and you found yourself incredibly disappointed and you had an anger problem. You might still do. And that anger problem ruined a relationship that should have lasted to today. But because of your anger, you destroyed the relationship. So it's as if two of the car tires suddenly lose their air. And you start bouncing along the freeway and unable to get to your destination. And somebody tells you about Jesus Christ. 
And so you then pull in to the cross. And then somebody uh, says, you know, God can forgive you of your sins. And, uh, and you think, oh, that's just amazing. And, uh, and, and you think that, uh, so you receive Jesus, receive forgiveness of sin. And you become a Christian. And here's the problem. It's not the becoming Christian that's the problem. You see, you drove in in a green Porsche. And now you drive out redeemed by the blood of the lamb in a brown Hyundai. <laughs> Houston, we have a problem. And even though you've got a beautiful heart, you're in the wrong car. And every now and again, you wind down the window thinking, why is this car not revving as much as it revved pre-salvation? It's because you're in the wrong car. You're in a, in a car that should never have been created. <laughs> so if, you were a, if you're a melancholic, so you're a thoughtful person, you're a strategizer, you, you're the one who uh, clarifies vision, not just casts vision, you clarify vision. And if you're a car, you'd be a silver Mercedes. And, uh, and so you'd be driving down the freeway uh, enjoying your meticulousness, right? But every personality type has a flip side and yours is perfectionism. And your perfectionism makes you critical and your criticalness makes you cold. You're like the ice queen. And it seems like you started a business but nobody liked working with you because you were too critical. You weren't, a, you weren't ever praising them. You were always criticizing them. So all of a sudden, the windscreen smashes as your business goes downhill and you start to lose money. You're in debt. And then because you can't see right, you can't drive right, and somebody has told you about Jesus Christ. And so you drive into the, you drive into the cross, you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, receive forgiveness of sin, receive eternal life, receive Jesus Christ in your heart. All well and good. Now here's the problem, right? And you drive in in a silver Mercedes. You receive Jesus Christ, but you drive out in a Daewoo. A day woo. Who even invented the name day woo, thinking that would be a big seller in the Western world? You were born for a silver Mercedes, but you're driving a cheap, ridiculous car, breaking down all the time, thinking, what's wrong with me? It's Jesus isn't wrong. It's just that you chose wrong. And if anything, your greatest, um, the thing that, that is more against you isn't the spirit of rebellion, it's the spirit of religion. And religion is trying to keep you in the wrong car. Because the religion, because the devil doesn't want the very best of you to meet the very best of God. He always wants the worst of you to meet with the best of God. So the very best of you that was inculcated in creation gets completely unused. And so our, test, our best testimony is we're anointed by God, the best of God, the worst of us. Yet we miss out on half the Christian life where the very best of us meets the best of God. And I shared last night that David, didn't, David by faith and by the power of God got onto the battlefield. But he didn't defeat Goliath by the power of God. He defeated him by the power of inherent talent. 
He defeated him by who he was born to be, a great uh, person who was able to use sling because he chose five stones, knowing this was not a matter of the power of God. This was a matter of inherent talent that most Christians have left at the cross. And so he won it by the power of God. It got him onto the battlefield. But the power of him was what defeated Goliath. Otherwise, Goliath could have been struck down without a stone. Goliath could have just been struck down by lightning. Goliath could have been struck down by a single stone that he picked up. But he picked up five stones to prove to you and me that we defeat the enemy both by imparted anointing and by inherent talent that's dedicated to the cause of Christ. And so we need the worst of you anointed and the best of you employed. So um, if you were, if you were a sanguine, like you're a party animal, so you would be a uh, mini, red mini, with a Union Jack on the roof, right? Let's go with that. So you'd be driving down the freeway, having a brilliant time, enjoying yourself. But every personality has a flip side. And yours isn't just naughtiness. It's naughty naughtiness. <laughs> and, uh, and so just that one, that, that one path led to an addiction because you've got an addictive personality. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and, so, and so your health went downhill. Your finances were invested into this addiction. Instead of going out with one person at one time, you used to go out with three people at one time, hoping they'd never meet up in the bathroom. But they all met up. So you ended up going out with nobody. And the loneliness killed you until somebody told you about Jesus Christ. So you know the story. You drove in in the, in the red mini with the Union Jack on the roof, right? Give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and here's the problem. You drove out in a beige Volvo. Mm, it's just sinful, isn't wasn't it? It's gone. <laughs> and yet you were born to be the life of the party. But a lot of you are sitting at the back instead of sitting in the middle. A lot of you are quiet instead of loud. A lot of you are wishing that you'd that you'd, a lot of you have lost your confidence. And yet God, if anything, wants to give you your confidence back again. And a lot of you are living substandard existence, but you're saved. Yeah, but boring boringly saved and boringly saved people are open to temptation and they're open to revisit relationships back on Facebook you had 20 years ago bored people easily take distraction and say yes to it but people that are living their top life totally passionate for Jesus and their va va voom sin less than those that are sitting on the couch crying but saved so the last personality type uh, is the um, phlegmatic personality type. So if you were a car, you wouldn't be a car, you'd be a four-wheel drive to take everybody else's junk to the church barbecue. <laughs> and uh, and you're, there, you're there to help everybody else become a success story. Um, but, you know, the underside of you is you feel trampled on a lot and you get trampled on a lot. You become a doormat. And so, you, so some of you entered into to relationships with a dominant personality who started to control you. And instead of finding freedom, all you found was bondage. And, and somehow their control caused you to lose your sense of esteem and lose your sense of identity. So you drove into the cross when someone told you about Jesus Christ and you drove in in this Range Rover, but you, you didn't even drive out. You came out on a bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, keyboard player, come back up, right? This is what you need to do. Come back to the cross. You need to come back to the cross. Because it seems to me you've left something there. I did it. I found my that that voom. I'm vooming. <laughs> and there's nothing better than being a round peg in a round hole rather than a round peg in a square hole. Some of you just need to voom again. Some of you are too serious for God. His first miracle was turning water into wine. Can you think of a more controversial miracle to do as your very first miracle? And he had a billion years to think about it. (laughs) It wasn't even a last minute decision. It was like, we really, really thought about this. Are you sure? Yeah, we really thought about this. Let's let's create the most controversial miracle. Let's make some alcohol. Let's see what a sense of humor God has. Because even his first miracle is poking in the stomach of religion. (laughs) that's why he loves this message pokes you right in the stomach of your religiosity if you truly trusted God you'd be a lot more lighter spirited heavy spirited equals distrust light spirit equals God will do it Heavy spirited, it all, it all rests on your shoulders. Light spirit, it rests on the shoulders of the older oxen. Come to me, be yoked to me. I'll give you rest. So some of you just need to lighten up. So I, I went back to the cross. I said, Jesus, uh, do you mind if I have a look around? <laughs> I think I left something here. <laughs> Some of you are driving around in a black hearse. Oh, no wonder you got no friends. <laughs> so I started digging around. Now, at the, at the base of the cross, there's, there's all, it's like a slag heap. It's like there's, there's car tires of rebellion, there's Coke cans of pride, there's barbed wire of independence. But I kept digging past my sins. And, you know, because we're a mixture of personalities, there's, there's various cars under there, right? So I just, and I thought, God, that's a, uh, that's a, that looks like a red mini Union Jack on the roof. Looks like it's mine. Now, at that moment, tears in the eyes of Jesus Christ, because he wants to set you free. And freedom isn't to keep you buried. Otherwise, there's no point God creating you, just God saving a blob. So he's redeeming you. He's refinding you. So I said, Do you want, Holy Spirit, could you help me dig it out? So he comes along, giant claw. Remember that, Jim Carrey, the claw? <laughs> so it brings out, says they back up the beige Volvo, back up the beige Volvo, pop the bonnet. Underneath the bonnet, there's, there's a V8 turbocharged engine says we'll take the small little motor mower engine out of your um mini or put this v8 it you know it's too big the bonnet doesn't shut you have to have bungee cords just to hold the bonnet down right it's too big the power of god doesn't suit you 
It's too big for you. But that's the way God's designed it, to put the same power that rose Christ from the dead inside you. It's, it's a remarkable thing. And so he says, well, now go for a drive. Happily ever after. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. You still might be in a jail, but you can be like Paul and Silas singing at midnight because they were free, circumstantially up against it, but internally they were free. So uh, my son, when he was, I don't know, like 12 years of age, he said, Dad, um, we live in Sheffield, two and, a half mile, two and a half hours north of London. And he said, Dad, let's go and see Mary Poppins. Because Mary Poppins had just come out on the uh, stage in, uh, in the West End in London. And, uh, and, I, and I, said, he's, I said to him, I said, it's, it's just come out. It's booked up for the next six months. But he said nothing to me, just stared at me and I stared at him because I knew what he was thinking. He was thinking, yeah, but Dad's got the gift. So it's just a gift. Detached from evil, attached to righteousness. But I've still got the gift. Much of what you were pre-salvation is very godly. And even for Saul, that his passionate nature, his forceful nature was not forgotten about by God. It was reassigned by God. So we head off to London, go to Leicester Square. They said, no, it's sold out for six months. So I said, where's the theater? They said, in Soho. And uh, a lot of cowboys, Soho. And uh, so we're standing there and 10 past seven, we look at each other thinking God's got 20 minutes to come through. And 28 minutes past seven, this guy comes out, miracle here. So I've got two tickets. He said, who wants them? So we go in, my son, because he's been to the theatre many times, starts to walk up the stairs thinking it's got to be up in the gallery. The guy pulls him back and says, no, 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 it's, it's in where the Queen sits. You know where Bert and Ernie? And so we sit down, the curtains open. I missed the entire first half because I'm texting everybody. I got in to see Mary Poppins. Because I've still got it. To each one of you here, listen, you've still got it. It's buried, but you still got it. Everything that sparked you off when you were eight, still got it. The brilliance you had when you were 12, still got it. The incredibleness that was in your life when you were 17, still got it. That ability to humor everybody at five, still got it. You can redeem by the power of God your entire life back again. Every bit of magic that you can recall when you were 10, 11, 12, that every bit of magic you can redeem back again. Maturity doesn't kill it. Maturity redirects it. But maturity doesn't kill you. It refines you and redirects you. So let me pray an open prayer for you.
in the second service I'm going to talk about the bench, that we talk about the spectator stand, we talk about kicking goals, but there's one small slither of land that's unlit that becomes the greatest key to your future success. I'll talk about that in the second service. I'm going to pray with my eyes open. Father, let people's va-va-voon come back again. Redirect them back to the cross. And Father, start to put a smile on their face even already now, God. I pray that intensity won't wrap people up, but a sense of fun and a sense of adventure and a sense of swallows and Amazons, a sense that we're going on an adventure. Father, lead them back to the Rockies of their lives, God, that they might find the treasure buried in the heart of the Rockies. And Father, that it might set them free and set them alive. I pray this church would thump. I pray this church would spark. I pray this church would sparkle again. I pray, Lord, this church will be filled with the glitter and the sparkles of heaven. I pray that it would be like a diamond, that, that it would just, on every angle, there'd be a sparkle of God. I pray the precious gems that were lost at 8 would be found again at 38. I pray that emeralds would emerge. I pray that gold, streaks of gold would emerge out of people's lives. And I pray that you change this church from being subdued to being a church exploding with the excitement of heaven. Let a volcano happen in this place. And let precious emeralds and precious minerals arise and be blown all over this city, God. Let them see the very best of us. And let it mingle with the very best of God. Father, let freedom be found. Let enjoyment be found. And I prophesy a happily ever after. To every person who thinks that this is the end, who thinks that, that this is the way my life's going, I prophesy a happily ever after. I pray they'd find the three key ingredients of the Christian life, righteousness and peace and joy. I pray that the mountains and the hills and the trees will clap their hands as the redeemed of the Lord go out with joy. Father God, let joy be rich. Let joy be not just in our hearts, but on our faces. Let joy be in our souls, God. And Father, let round pegs find round holes. Let square pegs find square holes. And Father, fill this place with the life of Christ in all of its fullness, in Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed, because there's some people I just absolutely know are coming back to God. You're thinking, I came to church and I've been backslidden, but now I realize that I've never been far away from God and you're about to pray a prayer to invite God back into your life. Some of you have never given your life to Jesus Christ and you've stood on the edge or you've been part of another religion and today is your day to turn and to pray a prayer and then God's right next to you. He always has been, but now he's ready to listen. And the moment you say, God, save me, he saves you immediately. The moment you say, God, forgive me, he immediately forgives you. With every eye closed, that's you. Pray this prayer after me and everybody can help us out. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm amazed that you found me. I thought I was unfindable, but you found me. By your love, you found me and you've got me. I decide to turn to you and to ask you into my heart, into the engine room of my life. Forgive me for every misgiving, for all the misfiring, the misunderstandings and the mistakes. 
forgive me now and come into my heart and be my Lord, be my leader, be my greatest friend. Set me free in Jesus' name. With every eye closed right now, if you prayed that prayer, it was just a little, little, little prayer. But you don't need large prayers for the large God to hear. As long as it's sincere, that's all God's looking for. So if you sincerely prayed that prayer, I think what you need to do is one more thing, that you need to draw a line in the sand between your yesterday and your today. And by doing that, I'm going to get you in a few seconds, when I count to three, to lift up your right hand and leave it up till all the hands are up. But every backslider and everyone who sincerely prayed that prayer, I'm going to get you to lift up your hand, leave it up till all the hands are up when nobody looking around, when I count to three. But it's you drawing a line in the sand between yesterday and your tomorrow. It's just important as human beings to do that, to put a marker in the river between what has gone under the bridge and what is ahead of us. So if that's you right now, if you sincerely pray the prayer, when I count to three, I want you to lift up your hand, leave it up till all the hands are up. No one looking around. Three, two, one. Come on, put it up, put it up, put it up, put it up, put it up. Come on, quick, quick. On my left-hand side, there's one, there's two, there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six, there's seven, there's eight. In my middle section, there's nine, there's 10, there's 11, there's 12, there's 13. In my right-hand section, there's 14, there's 15, there's 16, there's 17, there's 18, there's 19, there's 20, there's 21, 22. Right at the back, 23, 24, 25 hands have gone up. Is that extraordinary or is that extraordinary? I'll pray my final prayer, then I'll um, hand it back over to your pastor. Father, let the peace of God fall upon these beautiful people who have signed up to surrender their hearts to Jesus today. I pray that they'd know that they'd know that they are saved, that they've got peace with God. And I pray let peace reign, let joy arise, and let righteousness fill them. I thank you, God, that it's not by might or power, but it's by your Spirit. So let your Spirit fill them throughout today and the coming year. And Father, bless them in Jesus' mighty name. You can put your hands down. Let's give God a clap offering. He's an awesome God. It's been so good talking to you. I'll see you again. Thank you, Dave. How was that? What a package. <laughs> thank you, Dave. Just love the... So you're welcome to stay for the second service if you like it. It's going to be great. Oh, why don't you just remember uh, two or three or four or five things, but leave knowing that you're incredibly loved and very, very unique. Through those doors walk silver Mercedes, land cruisers, minis, Austin minis with, uh, with Union Jacks on the roof, and green Porsches. God bless you. Go and change your world. You're released. Amen. this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.